8th of March 2014. A passenger plane goes off course and it disappears from radar and radio communications. The 12 crew members and 227 passengers are never seen again. There are many questions surrounding the disappearance. Did the plane crash? Was the plane hijacked? Did the plane get sucked up by a mini black hole? And most importantly, did Pitbull and Shakira know that this was going to happen and try to warn us with their absolute banger, get it started? Welcome to this week's episode of Cat's Cabinet of Curiosities. I'm Cat, And I'm Tom. And this week we're talking about a spooky, spooky mystery. See, you say that spooky, spooky like it's a fun thing. Yeah, no, it's also <laughs> a very, very sad mystery. Spooky, spooky tragedies. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people do go missing. It's, it's very sad. Okay. Well, spoiler alert. Well, the intro gave a spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't... I'm feeling silly today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's a sad episode. um, And there's probably loads of families... Well, there definitely are loads of families out there who are sad about it. But they got compensated, so, like... (laughs) (laughs) If you went missing in a plane crash, but I got £3 million, then I'd be still sad. What's the lowest amount of money you would accept for my disappearance mm. and possible death. To clarify, they didn't get £3 million. Some of them only got £5,000 or something. Really? The, like, they all settled at different amounts because some of them, like, initially the airline... We'll get into it a bit later. I think I've got the figures. But... Oh, right. Well, I was going to say, what is the lowest amount of money you would accept for me to be missing? What? I would, someone would pay me and you'd go missing? No, I'm not saying you, you paid for that as a service. I'm saying if I went missing, what compensation? What's oh. the minimum level? Um, I wouldn't really expect any compensation. <laughs> <That's, laughs> that sounds like it's harsh on you. But if you went missing, I wouldn't expect... I wouldn't expect compensate, like... That's because I'm priceless. Yeah, but, all, That's but what like, you mean. because, like... If you, do, I suppose it depends how you went missing. Like if someone, if someone killed you, like a company killed you, like if Starbucks killed you with a slippy floor and you fell over and hit your head, <laughs> I'd want like half the business. Wow, that is okay. I'm gonna only go to big chains. Yeah, <laughs> because if it's proportion of business, yeah, no more, no more independent cafes for us. Yeah, we need a paycheck. But only if you fall over and die. Yeah, I'm going to try not to And then go missing. That. You fall over and go missing. <laughs> <laughs> I fall into the floor like Super Mario Brothers, like the start of a level. Exactly. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, 2014, this happens. The plane goes missing. And we still, to this day, don't know where it is, or what happened, or what's going on, or anything. That, about it. That's crazy. Yeah, it's And time insane. of recording, by the way, is March 2019. Yeah. So it's five years. Yeah. In case people in the future yeah. hear. Oh, it went on the 8th of March. The day we're recording is the 2nd of March. So oh. by the time we release this, it'll have been the anniversary. How very timely, I guess. Yeah, that's a bit... Um... <laughs> 
it's sort of an anniversary to not celebrate, but mark, I yeah. suppose. It does suck. Strong. But it's also spooky. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a there's a mystery element in with the yeah. tragedy. Yeah. Now I'm just depressed. <laughs> You've got to have a good energy levels for as a host. Yeah, I guess. But... <sighs> <laughs> Should we get started? Yeah, stop bumming me out. Okay. So the flight was supposed to take five hours and thirty more minutes, thirty-four minutes, which is a long. I've never been on a flight that long. That's a long flight. No, it was either. going from Malaysia to Beijing. Um. And because it's travelling between, like, two countries of different time zones, it can be kind of complicated when discussing the time zones and what time things happen at. So instead of discussing a specific time zone, I'm going to, like, have zero as the time it takes off and, like, ten minutes past being, like, ten minutes after the plane took off, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you're going... Uh, timing system relative to the plane taking plane off. Taking off. Yeah. yeah. So it takes off at uh, almost quarter to one in the morning, Malaysian time. But we're just going to call that zero. Cool. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So basically everything appears normal before the flight and during the first 40 minutes or so. And it's big. So this is, I should have clarified which flight I'm talking about. I just assume two people have seen from the title. But it's yeah. Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Um, missing 2014. So Flight 370 is given permission to climb to a flight level of 350, which is about 35,000 feet. That's quite... That's high. Yeah. I'm guessing that's normal for planes. Yeah. 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 Apparently they all fly on like different levels to avoid each other. Mm. Like there's different roads kind of thing yeah i, I suppose you'd, you'd have to yeah it's like when people talk about flying cars and it's like that would be chaos yeah because yeah three dimensions yeah so 25 minutes into the flight the captain confirms that they're flying at that level and 37 minutes into the flight they have their final voice contact with air traffic control so basically at 37 minutes into the flight they were passing from one airspace to another so at first they were under the Malaysian airspace like traffic control and they were transferring to the Vietnamese airspace traffic control. So they needed to be transferred. So they say goodbye to the first traffic control and this is the last thing they ever say in a rather ominous way or what appears to be ominous because the pilot's last words are good night Malaysian 370. Yeesh. Which to me sounds terrifying, but apparently it's quite normal when passing from one like one area to another to say goodbye or say goodnight to the like traffic control, air traffic yeah. control. And like you sign out using your like ID, which is like Malaysian 370. So it sounds ominous, but it's not. I guess, it, one, it's like just courtesy, letting yeah. people know, all right, see ya. Yeah. But 
Also, it's one of those things that only sounds creepy with the context after yeah. of them disappearing. Yeah. And it being the last thing that they said. Yeah. That's that's, that's pretty good last words, though. Yeah, I would, if, yeah. If those were his last words, that's, you know. Yeah. Most people just have, like, ow or something, and that's not as nice. What would you want your last words to be? Um, I would want mine to be... Um, so you're telling me this disease kills you painlessly? And that would be that would be it. Great. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realise that was an incorrect answer <laughs> to the subjective "what would you like" question. I I don't know. There's just very factual. Like, I'd want mine to be something like suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be like peace out, motherfuckers, or yeah, something, and then yeah. you jump off a building and throw a grenade and yeah, yeah. Right, okay, well, I've got only humble aspirations for my own death, so that's what I'm working at. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, So this aircraft was expected to check in with the Vietnamese air traffic people, but it didn't. So we're going to break down the next half hour quite closely, because this is basically the half hour where everything goes a bit weird. Okay. So... 37 minutes into the flight was that good night message, and that was the last radio message. Two minutes later, which is 39 minutes into the flight, the airplane disappears from Malaysia's commercial radar. However, it's still picked up on their military radar, so we know it's still in the air, but the transponder must no longer be functioning, or it must be turned off, or something. Um, I don't know whether you'll know the answer to this question, mm-hmm. but what is the difference between the commercial and the military radar? Does... So the commercial, from what I can tell, the commercial, you can only be seen if you want to be seen. So they've got a transponder, which I think is sending out data to sort of a commercial airline to find you. But And then I think the military radar must detect... It somehow is able to detect you even when you don't necessarily want to be detected. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I get it. Yeah. Um, so basically, the transponder must have been turned off or broken somehow. Mm. Um, but the object was still. Yeah, the, pla- in the, the air. plane was still oh. in the air. And then the military radar tracks it. And almost immediately after it disappears from the commercial radar, the plane turns left and, like, travels in a southwestern direction. So it basically kind of doubles back on itself and it doesn't quite do a 360 turn, but it goes back towards Malaysia. Right. But over a different part of Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, so sort of like a half U-turn or something. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Hmm. That's, That's weird. That's very weird. Yeah. So then nine minutes late after that, which is 48 minutes into the flight, Vietnamese air traffic control notices that the plane hasn't checked in. So basically, within 10 minutes or so of the plane going missing, 15 minutes, like they realise the plane's missing, which I think is pretty good. Like, yeah, I think... Because that, that's a fairly short window to be like, oh, wait, something's up. Like, they almost immediately know something's for up. For something that far away. Yeah. For, like, you know, just an object in 3D space hundreds yeah. of miles away or whatever. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, so they notice that they haven't checked in and they ask another nearby plane to contact them. And then apparently when this other plane contacts Flight 370, all they hear is mumbling and radio static. Right. So we don't get a message from them. You just get mumbling and radio static mm. in reply. Right. Then eight minutes later after that, so this is 56 minutes into the flight, Vietnamese air traffic control freak out a little because this person's disappeared. Well, the plane's disappeared. They have they expect like half hourly data transmitted to them, um, but they don't get any. So they contact Malaysian traffic control, who have also not heard from them. And at this point, Malaysia realizes that this plane's missing. So and f like for the next half hour or so, Vietnamese air traffic control and Malaysian air traffic control kind of talk back and forth and it's a bit confused because they're not sure what's going on. Mm. And like they try to contact the plane. Um and it, yeah, it's just a, a bit of a confused mess at this point because like I imagine this doesn't happen that often and like I probably everyone always checks in when they're supposed to. Yeah. I imagine you almost in air traffic control get a bit lazy. Because yeah. everything pretty much just works. Yeah. But I imagine if the they time. don't, you're, it's probably something you'd ex be expecting it from, like a storm or something. But, or yeah, like. But you'd hope there's not too much uncertainty still yeah. left in the system at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then they kind of are like, ah, I don't know what to do. Until about one hour and twenty-one minutes into the flight, they realise that the plane is in Cambodian airspace where it's not supposed to be. But Cambodian air traffic control haven't been in contact. So at this point, the flight isn't responding to anyone. It's veered dramatically off course and no one can work out why or what's going on. And you can't talk to the plane. Like, they're just ignoring you. So, so they know where it is at this point? They, they know... They, can't, they know vaguely kind of where it is. Or they can guess based on people like saying... Because basically there's people monitoring airspace. Yeah. And if you see something unusual, like a plane that's not there, that's not supposed to be there, then you report it or whatever. Um, so apparently it was over Cambodian airspace. Oh, right. And that was in its, like, U-turn, from what I can see. Um, so then one hour and 40 minutes into the flight, the last military radar contact is made. So I think at that point they still had some of the military radar detecting it. Yeah. Um, and the airplane has flown back past Malaysia, so over, the Ma over Malaysia and just towards the Indian Ocean, which is just a huge expanse of ocean with really nothing there. That seems like a really just random flight path. Yeah. That yeah. seems like it's not really going very efficiently towards anywhere. Yeah, so it kind of like... So it starts off on its course fine. It does this U-turn and then just keeps going in that kind of straight line. It does do a slight veer, but yeah. like not enough to be like it's definitely going in a certain direct. Like it just seems to fly. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Um. So now we're going to talk about like automated and non-automated communications between the plane and like air traffic control people because so far we've only been talking about like automate or non-automated so like raid um radio so when you talk over radio obviously that's not automated but there is an automatic communication from a plane every hour or so and that's known as like a handshake okay 
like so, a sort of blip going yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like if they call it a ping or a handshake, yeah. like they're like, I'm here. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then one hour and 43 minutes into the flight. So that's three minutes after being lost from the radar and just over an hour since the last voice contact, the plane sends out a handshake. And these are hourly automated handshakes. And they continue even past the plane has missed its schedule. So that's kind of no... That's how they know kind of what track it's going on. Because they yeah. get these handshakes. Mm. Um, so it's expected... Um, it's expected in five hours and 48 minutes after takeoff. Seven hours and 29 minutes after takeoff is the last handshake. So it's flying for quite a bit longer than it's supposed to. Yeah. And by the time the last handshake is given, everyone knows the plane is missing and everyone's been looking for it for a good few hours. Malaysian Airlines has already issued a press statement and like everyone knows this plane is missing and are looking for it and it's still in the air, but no one can find it. But the kind of confusing thing is we know about the military radar now, yeah. but at the time that data wasn't released until later. So at the time, they thought it was still heading on its correct direction. So they were a bit... Or they weren't quite sure, like, where it was. Yeah, I guess military stuff is sort of behind a few levels of clearance. Yeah. They don't just sort of pop in and go, oh, by the way, we saw a plane or, yeah. or whatever. So, like, the handshakes and stuff, I think they know that it's okay, but they don't necessarily know where exactly it is. And then the radar tells them where it is. So right. they don't know where it is until a bit later. Hmm. Um, but we have all this information now. And I'm not going to go through like when certain information was released and stuff. Because if you want to do a deep dive and look at that, some people think it's important to like conspiracies about it. Whether information was released on time and blah, 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 blah. But it's so there's so much information and it's all released in random bursts. But yeah. I suppose it's one of these things where it's almost difficult to tell what information is relevant or points to anything. Yeah. Like the amount of information and data with a plane flying through the air that you could have. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's a lot. Yeah. So then the seven hours and 37 minutes into the flight is the last handshake. And it's only like a partial handshake, which is basically, it means that it, it follows a power failure between engines stopping or it f follows like something being turned off and turned back on or something like that so it follows some kind of disturbance to be like if or everything shuts down and then turns back on it will be like i'm okay basically <laughs> i'm okay because like once the engine yeah. runs out of fuel there is a backup generator which will last for a short amount of time mm. so Basically, you can assume, because the flight was only supposed to be like five and a half hours and it's ended up being like seven hours 40, but it probably ran out of fuel at that point and was then using the backup generator. Yeah. And that's why you get the partial handshake. So it, it seems almost like... It, it almost is the character of a plane that's not being piloted. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It almost seems like something happened and it changed direction... And then it's almost like no one in the plane did anything for ages. Yeah, it's funny you say that. That's kind of one of the theories we'll talk about. But, mm. yeah. That's the vibes it gives me. 
But um, mm. obviously, I imagine you're about to tell me that that is a talking point of like uh, uh, dickheads on forums no. or something. <laughs> and I'm going to seem like a right fool. No, we're not doing lots of a crazy conspiracy. We're kind of talking about the actual things that could have happened to yeah. it. And then maybe aliens took it. <laughs> it wouldn't be our podcast without maybe aliens at the end. Yeah. That's the kind of main through line of and our And then maybe show. aliens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe aliens. Maybe. So the days and months following the search, the rescue efforts are sent all over the place, like anywhere the plane could have been. Like when they get the radar from the military, like they go out in the other direction. And it's the most expensive search in aviation history. Really? $160 million is spent and they find nothing. Well, they don't find the crash site. They don't find any passengers. That's... With all the tools we have in the 21st century. I know. How does a huge... The plane's fucking huge. They are. The ocean is bigger, though. The ocean is very big. The ocean's fucking huge. I we're we're like very it. good scientists. Yeah. Like, <laughs> pros, plane is big. Cons, ocean big? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... It's it's just crazy scales. Yeah. You're going to be so proud of me. I faced my phobia of zooming too far out on Google Maps to uh, do this podcast. I'm very proud of you. Um, I zoomed out to look at... The thing that freaks me out is when you zoom out too far on Google Maps and you start to see the curvature of the Earth. Why, why is... Do you hate curves? No, it just reminds you that you're like a ball in space and that's scary. Well, you're not. You're on a ball in space. Yeah, but you're... like... But, but that makes me even more insignificant. Well... It reminds me that, like, even Beyonce means nothing. <laughs> you know those, um, like, I want to believe posters? Yeah. They should do one of those that says, um, in space, even Beyonce is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy one. <laughs> Beyonce is just a speck that a bunch of other specks have referred to as queen. Literally. She is queen of the specks. Literally. Yeah. Um... But yeah, and the Indian Ocean is fucking huge. Is it one of the larger oceans? Or I guess it's one of the main yeah, oceans. Yeah, it's like, I think it might be the biggest. Mm. That sounds like a lie. I, d I mean, could be. I don't Depends know. how you define where one ocean starts and the other yeah. uh, ends. So. But to look at it all when I was zooming out, you did see part of the curvature of the earth, so it's, it's big. Thank you for facing your... Your curvature fears. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it's just about self-growth. Yeah. So there's been lots of times that people think they've seen the plane on, like, satellite images and stuff. And a crash site has never been found. But some pieces of a plane have been found. Oh, really? So it went missing in 2014. By 2017... About 20 pieces had been found. Some of them were confirmed definitely part of a plane. Only a few. Some of them were like suspected part of a plane. Yeah. And almost probably, but you couldn't prove it. Mm. So a part's found on a small island in the West Indian Ocean. And then a part washes up in Mozambique. So it's pretty clear that it's probably cr clear in the... Unless someone has planted it there. Oh, or aliens. Or aliens. Yeah. Then, then it crashed, it's crashed into it's the Indian into... Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and as recently as November 2018, pieces were given to the Malaysian Transport Minister. So people are still finding bits, I think. It, it's Sorry, it's just the phrase, pieces were given to the Transport Minister as a as a phrase... It just sounds almost like a like a gift or something. <laughs> like it. Well, I couldn't find. Where, so it like said that hand. pieces were given to him, but I couldn't find when they were found. So I wasn't sure if they'd given them to him as soon as it was found or what. So yeah, because they might have just held on to it for a couple of years. Like this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a plain piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have a plain piece mantelpiece. Honestly, though, like. You could, if you had a, fl- a piece of Malaysia Airline Flight 370, you could sell that online for low... Like, you know that Are you dark... allowed to? I, I mean, don't know. Would it not be, like, instantly reclaimed by law enforcement or investigation Maybe. services? But I'm just thinking about, all, you know, people buy, like, all that dark tourism stuff online where people buy, like, things involved in murders and, like... Yeah, or people want to, wanting to buy a murder house or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Mm. I imagine someone would want to own a piece of the flight. Someone somewhere, but I mean, a, a, a plane going missing is slightly less sexy than a murder. I don't know. I think a plane going missing is pretty sexy. I think it's like... <laughs> that's that's a pretty bad sentence in the context. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like, it's mysterious. It's like, ooh, because like genuinely we don't know. And like, it's an actual mystery. Yeah. Hmm. I suppose there is that, but yeah. it, it doesn't have like human drama levels of intrigue. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but as in, it's not like um, oh, like yeah. a murder. You get very into yeah. who the murderer is and who the victim was and what they were doing where. And the, the, but I guess in a bit we'll that. kind of discuss one of the pilots who's suspected of maybe being involved, and there's a oh. bit of a human drama there, kind of. Okay. Yeah. So we're not really sure what happened to the plane, and there's no official explanation. But in 2015, the Malaysian government officially declared the incident an accident with no survivors, specifically so the family members of those on board could claim compensation. Yeah. Because before that point, if it's not declared an accident and, like, you can't claim compensation, which sucks. Mm. Um, and I think they got... Some of them got about $1.3 million. But initially, Malaysian Airlines, I think, offered about $5,000. That is... Which seems... That's bullshit. Yeah. But I think they knew... So you can get the compensation from the flight with your travel insurance stuff, I think. But then, even once you've got that, you can, like, sue them or take them to civil court, which is, I think, what the families did. But it seemed like... You know America has a big, like, suing culture. Yeah, it's very litigious yeah. as a nation. It kind of, apparent, from what I could see, it depended on which country you sued them in. So, oh, like, right. if you tried to sue them in America, you could have... Uh, lawyers were estimating you could have got, like, 10 million, 8 million, whatever. Um, but if you tried to sue them in a different country, you would have got less, that kind of thing. Which is interesting, like... That some countries pay more for a human life. But also, I don't know, I'm not a fan of the suing culture in America. I guess I'm, 
I'm not a particular fan of like frivolous lawsuits, mm. but this is not a frivolous. It's lawsuit. not at all. No, you are going to want compensation. Yeah, I think it just becomes a bit grisly once you start talking about figures. And that yeah. doesn't mean it's bad for them to have compensation. No, no, or no, get try and get as much as they can. It's just difficult. Yeah, yeah, it just feels a bit macabre going. Well, your relative was worth this amount of money, and yours yeah. was worth. This Especially amount. when it's like, because if it's say there's one breadwinner in the family, mm. and they've got a spouse and children relying on them, and then the main person earning money dies or goes missing in this flight, then the spouse loses half, like, most of their income. Yeah. Like, presumably their claim would be, I've lost their income. But does that mean that you would get more if that person earned more money? So if that person was making millions every year... Would they get compensation for millions every year to replace that this person had gone missing because of your plane? And if you were only making, like, I d- yeah, I, d- I don't know whether it does work like that because I I think it kind it does depend on how much you've lost, but then you can also sue for like emotional damage, right? Okay, and you get money for that. But the I don't know the idea of like someone being worth more because they make more money is not cool with me. But also, I... Like, I see the reasoning, but, like, no. It, it's just a bit cutthroat and a bit over-pragmatic. Yeah. Um, I also don't know if it is how that works because then that would mean part of the process would be someone investigating financial affairs of the family and trying to calculate someone's net worth and how much they earn. Mm. I wonder if they go to that much effort but i suppose if you're dealing with large amounts of money maybe yeah. you do and it's just a cost that you incur yeah i think they should they should have all just i don't i just don't know how much money you would give some like no money can no make up for it and like i any money any amount seems like an insult somehow but also obviously they deserve money do you know what i mean yeah it's just uh, fundamentally, they can't be replaced, and the money is just like almost—it's almost more of an admission of how yeah. wrong they've done as yeah. an airline. Um, but yeah, they went into loads of finance because they also had another plane um, was shot down of theirs. Oh, I think I remember, and it was like fairly near to that, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So, and I think Malaysian Airlines—they lost so much money. Yeah, yeah. The shares must have gone down. Yeah. Was it? Was the other plane, if I remember rightly, uh, may have been shot down by Russians potentially, but we're not quite sure, or something. Um, I f- basically we don't know if it was shot down or if it just exploded, or we're basically not sure. That would be a very Russian line of explanation to be yeah. like, it voluntarily exploded. <laughs> it was yeah, a but I think it was like, because I haven't done very much research on that flight because yeah. I've done it mostly. But from what I can tell is the being shot down is the conspiracy theory. and Oh, for this, for 370? No, for 350, right. the other flight. I yeah. think it's 350. Something like that. Um. So we're being shot down as a conspiracy theory and a lot of people think that it was a fault in the 
gas thing because so these are like they're both the same make of plane they're both boeing 777s or something and they're really like common commercial things commercial airlines um airplanes and at the time that the malaysia 350 so not the one we're talking about exploded nothing like that had happened before but a few years later in tests another one did the same thing from like fuel oh, basically right. it was something about fuel vapor don't take my word for this because i haven't researched it but i believe it was something about fuel vapor right or something weird like that i mean it, it doesn't sound legit but yeah but it does seem uh like malaysian airlines is either badly placed or maybe their planes need a look at. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's um, yeah. libel, just throwing that out. Yeah. I don't know. Just our opinion. Just, just our have to opinion. state opinion afterwards. And... <laughs> Does plane allegedly make this <laughs> So, yeah, the aircraft remained operational for at least seven hours and 37 minutes from when they sent their last ping. Which was a log-on request. No, sorry. But it stayed in the air for at least 7 hours and 37 minutes. Because we know that because of their last ping. Right, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. So that was the total flight time. Yeah, the total flight time. Mm. Um, so that's 7 hours after their last vocal message saying goodnight. So about 7 hours since they just turned around and... Just under 7 hours since they turned around and were like, fuck off. <laughs> okay. So the plane didn't respond to a ping that came an hour later, so it must have lost the ability to communicate between 7 hours 38 and 8 hours 38 into the flight. So the planned flight was supposed to be about 5.5, so it's likely it lost communication due to running out of fuel and then the backup generator running out. It would make sense that the final half handshake was switching between the fuel and the backup generator and then it goes down when the backup generator runs out yeah that makes sense yeah um so it's likely that it ran out of fuel and the tank at that point and then it went into an emergency backup up and then finally ran out sometime in the next hour so then that's kind of the end of the timeline that we're coming to so that's what happened and now we'll discuss the theories of why it happened i guess okay and these are theories from legitimate explanation people, not the internet. Both. Both, So I've okay. got two... Well, I've got sort of... Two main theories, which are broken... One of them's broken down into sort of theories that people have and some official theories. And a couple of Alien and Shakira theories. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Alien and Shakira theories. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait, but I know I have to eat my uh, legitimate vegetables before I get my Shakira alien dessert. You do. <laughs> uh, okay. You have to listen to all the research I've done before we can talk about aliens. I guess I'll listen to facts. <laughs> if I really have to. So, actually, what at this point, what do you think happened? I'm just curious to see, oh, okay. what would your initial theory be? Um, so it seem, it seems like something happened that made it change direction and then it was unmanned and then just went until it stopped. So I wonder if there was someone on board who did a terrorism 
mm-hmm. of some kind or, or some kind of attack. Yeah. And sort of fought with the pilots and shifted the course. Maybe Grizzlies is, maybe killed all the people on board, killed mm-hmm. themselves, and then just, you know. So you think it was it, like so. a hijacking suicide? That's, yeah, that's what my mind goes to. Yeah. That's based on absolutely nothing apart from just what I reckon. Yeah. But unless I... there was something that knocked everyone out and made yeah. the pilot lean on the joystick and then they twist or something. It's... Well, you wouldn't have to do anything to the passengers because the cockpit is locked. Passengers couldn't get into the cockpit. And if you were a passenger oh, okay. who was like hijacking the plane, you wouldn't have to, you'd only have to deal with the pilots. Yeah. I just mean. If other passengers were there and then they were like maybe trying to get help or something, but they wouldn't be. How would they get help? They wouldn't. I guess they could use their phones, couldn't they? Yeah, they could use their phones. Some sort of contact might be made, mm. um, or at the least, someone would try to fight them, and that might mean that they didn't succeed. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's just my. So yeah. Anyway, the first theory is hijacking. Yeah. So we'll talk about that first anyway. Okay. So there's sort of two main suspects, which are the passengers and a pilot, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about whether some of the passengers could have done it. So there were two passengers on the plane with stolen passports, it turns out. Okay. Um, but they turned out to be asylum seekers. And I believe one of them was from Iran and one of them was from... I can't remember where the other one was from. And at first, when the media picked that up, they were obviously like... Terrorists! Oh, terrorists, yeah, blame. Uh, but when they investigated it, basically they were ruled out and they were seen as asylum seekers. Um, and all the passengers were ruled out as terrorist subjects, uh, suspects, <laughs> because there was no <laughs> evidence Like when they investigated them. And since 9-11... It's really difficult to hijack a plane. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. It's hard enough to, like, get get through the scanners and all that shit. So, like, the cockpit locks automatically and, like, you can't get in unless the pilot lets you in. And the pilot can only let one of the crew members in. Yeah. And it would have to be, like... The passenger would somehow have to trick the pilot into letting them in when the pilots are normally pretty like the crew i think the crew and the pilot they must have some way of knowing who's who and stuff yeah you'd hope there's a camera yeah. or, or something more than just getting on the mic and saying hello can i come in yeah or, or whatever so i'm not saying that hijacking couldn't happen past 9-11 because mm. i'm sure that they have. and there have been attempts yeah there? yeah well there was that guy who was arrested because he tried to hijack a plane and just direct it to a different country. Yeah. Just because he wanted the to go there. planes are also incredibly difficult to fly. You'd, like, you'd have mm. to have experience. Yeah. Well, I think the dude who got arrested, uh, I think it was like two years ago. He had a flight simulator at home. No, no, he was just threatening the pilots. Oh, and Basically right, saying, okay. you need to fly me to there. And oh, obviously what they did, I, I think he even did it before they took off. And so they just stayed put and called the police and the guy got arrested. I think... 
What a stupid guy. And you know how I remember this as well? Yeah. Is because the guy who had hijacked the plane, mm-hmm. like he wasn't a violent oh, hijacker. Oh, it was, was the one who, who wanted his selfie. ex-girlfriend to get back with him. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like that. I remember that story. That was such a weird story. And there was a British guy who took a selfie with him. Yeah. Like whilst they were, whilst they were there and put it on Twitter. And people on Radio 2 were very annoyed. But also, yeah, that was what a lad. You know? <laughs> Top what, class bunter. What, what a bunter. Like, <laughs> what absolute, like, jokes. Yeah. So we're kind of ruling the passengers out. Not that they couldn't have done it, but the investigators basically concluded that none of them had the flight experience. And those that did had no motive yeah. at all. Mm. Um. So that kind of leads us with the pilot and the co-pilot. So the pilot is Zahari Ahmed Shah, and he's 53. And the co-pilot is Farid Abdul Hamid, and he's 27. 27 to be a co-pilot. I don't know if that's young. That sounds young to me. That sounds young. I'm 25, and I can, you know, barely stew a chicken. I know. I was reading this, and I was like, it would be cool to be a pilot. Maybe I should become a pilot. I think... You'd, it, it's more than a two-year training process. Yeah, uh, and I also feel like you'd have to be physically fit, and I don't want to. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't, I don't know what will make me. <laughs> um, so are they are they ruled out, or did you say one of them was No, so the US officials who investigated it think that the pilot is the most li- likely suspect. Yeah. Um, because... To do that kind of U-turn, you'd need to reprogram. And apparently even the co-pilot wouldn't have that level of knowledge to be able to do that. That seems um, dangerous. Yeah, If there's literally only one person who can... Well, no, so basically the plane's on autopilot. So basically all pilots do is for takeoff and landing. Yeah. And the rest is kind of a pre-programmed flight. Oh, computer-guided. Yeah. Right. So the rest of it is kind of autopilot. So to make the U-turn, you would have to stop that and reprogram the flight path, Mm. which not everyone can do because you don't really need to do it unless you're being diverted. And if you're being diverted, I think, like... Like air traffic control will do yeah, all that. Or yeah. computer-based thingamies. Yeah. So, on the investigation, they didn't really find a motive or any evidence, except a couple of things we'll talk about. Okay. So, he had a flight simulator at home, which most pilots do. And he took a very similar flight to the diverted flight of a previous month. Oh, right. So apparently he did a very similar thing where he turned around, but he landed on a small island in the West Indian Ocean. Right. And that island, um, did they go past that or or something, do you know? Um, Like, basically, does it look like he tried to get there? Not really. I think that they didn't really have the fuel to get all the way there. Oh, okay. Um... And there were some reports that his wife had left him the previous day and taken the kids. But all of his family deny this. And I can't find the original source for that. Like, I've tried to work out who first... Because in all the articles about it, it say reports say that his wife had left him. And I can't work out where this originated from. It's very vague to just say reports, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, or they say, like... or some. 
of it says a friend said that his wife left him, but like I can't tell what's the truth and what's just. Yeah, presumably if as she had, she would go. Yeah, I left him. Yeah, and she says she didn't. And like, so... even if she's like, like, because she wouldn't be culpable. She wouldn't lie because she's like, oh, people blame me for leaving him. I um, don't know. Maybe like. Well, she shouldn't. Anyway. She shouldn't. Obviously, she shouldn't feel like that. But like, she might feel like she was responsible. Yeah, because I suppose she's kind of lost someone as well. Yeah. Even someone yeah. she might not have wanted to be married to anymore. Yeah. Um, as an additional note, uh, the pilot is from Penang. And the flight, when it did its U-turn, it faced Penang and would have been visible from the window. So the thought is that maybe if he was doing a murder-suicide and trying to kill himself, mm. he would have wanted to see his home country. Right. For the last time, and fly over like where his wife and kids were and stuff. This was like very late at night, though, wasn't it? So Yeah, it was, yeah. I know it's not that rational, but, but like... But I love you... planes late at night. Like, I love... When you fly over all the city lights, I think it's better than when you fly over in the daytime. You get to see more. Yeah, but you can't really see what you're looking at at night. You just no, see city that's lights. True. You can't really mm. tell what yeah, you're looking that's at. True. But that's that's not really evidence. That's just like you, know, you wouldn't have much to see. But he would have seen all the lights of the city on the island. I suppose so. Yeah. Mm. So so people think that it was the sort of I'm going to look at Penang and then go to this island. No, well, people thought that... So the flight simulator, he went and landed on an, on an island. But, like, that's so that you could just crash in the ocean. Like, you don't have to plan to crash. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Like, you don't want to ruin your flight simulator record before you die. <laughs> I. <laughs> he had a perfect score. Yeah? Mm. Um. Yeah. So the thought is that he was just trying to kill himself and everyone else on the plane. So he thought, I'll fly over Penang, I'll go into the Indian Ocean, and I'll just take everyone down with me. I don't really like saying this, though, because that makes him a very awful person. Yeah. Like, if you're in a kind of place where you want to hurt yourself, like, that's awful, and I'd never wish that on anyone. But I don't think that makes you want to kill everyone around you, necessarily. Yeah. I think that in the process of taking your own life, trying to take everyone else's life along with it, just seems like an uncool thing to do. It is very uncool. It yeah. is very bad. And the, pe the people who usually do that are sort of um, gunmen in America yeah. who like really, really have needed mental health care for ages and yeah. haven't got Yeah, it. and there were no warning signs with this. Yeah, it wouldn't be he... just some pilot who's functioning as a pilot and then his wife leaves him and then he's immediately yeah, in that place. Yeah, it seems like a very, very extreme move for your wife leaving you. Yeah, yeah, but this I mean, is speculation, I... yeah, isn't this it? Is, we're yeah, just this is all of... speculation. Mm. I, even though, like... If it was a human purposely doing it, he's the person who is most likely to have done it, according to the official investigations and stuff. Yeah. I still... I'm not I'm not entirely sold on it. 
Like, it, it, it makes sense with the data that we've got. Mm. Like, with the, how the flight moved and stuff. But I don't know if it does, actually, because why would you wait? Why would you continue to fly for, like, seven hours and not just fly it into the ocean? Like, I guess, that, so, basically, when a flight runs out of fuel, it does, like, a tailspin into the ocean mm. and isn't controlled. I don't... I'm not sure if you could do that as a pilot. If you just flew it into the ocean, if you'd be able to... I guess you could just turn the engines off manually, presumably. Um, I don't know. There's probably a difference between a plane falling and a plane flying into yeah. water. Because uh, pilots have landed planes on yeah, scene on water, for haven't they? Yeah. And they've got emergency things for it floating on the surface. And, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's... There's a very low survival rate there, but they've got yeah. plans for Yeah. For so I don't... I just I feel also like, think, yeah. um, even if he decided to do that, the co-pilot would presumably have something yeah. to say about... Yeah, you'd think uh, so. We're going the wrong way. Yeah. So unless the pilot, like, knocked out the co-pilot or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Um, we do, Well, we don't know, basically, do we? Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I don't know why if you were... I mean, I guess it's very difficult to get into the headspace of someone who was going to do that. So we, reasoning it is very difficult. But mm. I don't want to believe that that happened. No, it doesn't ring true to me. Yeah. Um. So then the other kind of hijacking one is the idea of a cyber attack, which I'll only go over briefly because basically it's people on the internet saying maybe it was a cyber attack. But basically, it's impossible. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the source is people on the internet. Reckon. Yeah, yeah. People okay. on the internet reckon this, but it, it's it would be really difficult to do. And what's the point if you don't claim to have done? No, yeah. no terrorist has claimed this. No, and it's not really a prank. So it's not yeah. just something a teenager would do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh... yeah, like, what's the point of doing it if you don't say that you've done it like uh, any terrorist organization is going to want to claim credit for it yeah you'd think so so i ha find it hard to believe that it was i think it was either one person acting alone I d I, or not human interaction like some kind of technical uh massive fuck up well we'll go into sort of the second explanation that's so the, the kind of there's the pilot doing it, which is one of the most likely, and this explanation, which is a hypoxia event, which is also... So these are the two most likely theories. Mm. So a hypoxia event sounds very cool, <laughs> but it's not. Oh. <laughs> so it's not um, an emo rock band uh, playing a gig in a park? No, but that would be a good name, oh. hypoxia. <laughs> it sounds like a... Um, Badly written Harry Potter fanfic character. <laughs> um, Hi my name's Hypoxia, and I'm here from America, but I'm at Hogwarts because reasons. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, a boy is going to date me. <laughs> Hooray! I mean, this is essentially what Fantastic Beasts, uh, the level that that is writing at now. Oh, let, let's not. Let's just not. Let's do the plane tragedy, but let's not talk about <laughs> Fantastic Beasts 2. It's not worth it. Sorry, go on. Hypoxia. I just don't like Johnny. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so a hypoxia event is a slow or gradual decompression. 
that's not noticed by the captain. So basically, the plane loses air inside it and eventually everyone inside will lose consciousness. Like the captain, the co-pilot, the passengers, the crew will get hypo... Like they'll lose consciousness because there's no air and mm. they have... They have and they hypoxia. won't notice it as it's happening. No. Right. Um, so this is kind of what it was initially thought to be. And some investigators have concluded that it's the best fit for the five-hour period over the Indian Ocean mm. without communication or, communication or, like, deviation from its track. It was probably just still on autopilot. Yeah. And it would support the debris, we find. So <clears throat> the way that the debris is spread out is in such a way that it's unlikely that it hit the ocean horizontally or landed that way and much more likely that it entered vertically. So as in with the nose first? With the nose first going down. So it was actually a mathematician at a big Texas university that kind of did the calculations and said that if it hadn't entered the water vertically, then the force of that plane hitting the water from so high up it would have just shattered and we would have found a lot more. Whereas if it was in a nosedive, then it's probably about the right amount that we found. And that would have happened if it, if it had run out of fuel. So we can basically say that it must have been going into a nosedive and lost control. Yeah. Um, which would make sense if it was on an autopilot and then just ran out of gas. But it doesn't explain why the plane turned around. Like, because that is something you have to program in. Yeah, it seems like something happened there. Like but a like, very specific event. The pilot, well, someone must have had to program in a change of direction. Mm. But that's quite a difficult thing to do. And if literally a few minutes later you're unresponsive, that makes me think that... That's a sudden decision. Like, that makes me think that, like, not a decision, but, like, that would be a very quick going from I'm reprogramming and turning around to unresponsive. Yeah. Yeah, and if, if he was trying to, like, gradually lead him off course, the pilot or something, he could have done a curve, like, from where they took off rather yeah, than yeah. an abrupt turning around. Yeah, so it was a really... Ab Abrupt user, like, so I just don't know why that would happen in a event that everyone passed out on the plane. Yeah, I, d I don't know because it's not like he just leans over onto the steering wheel. No, like it's more complicated. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's a theory that sort of half works and is half satisfactory, but it doesn't isn't quite tie up all the loose ends. Yeah, so it, it... which is what makes this whole thing so mysterious because like. Both the pilot hijacking and the hypoxia thing are kind of halfway to, like, an explanation. But, like, mm. neither of them fully fit. Neither of them really work. No. So those are the kind of two accepted theories. And then we kind of briefly talked about people thinking that it was passengers and cyber attacks and stuff. But aliens. <laughs> yes we finally got to it i have been waiting for aliens so why um just fun 
Just like... <laughs> say, okay. Ugh. Say that you want to experiment on a lot of people, but you don't want it to be obvious. Okay. You steal a plane and pretend that it crashed. I mean, is that not obvious? Well, no, because if you're pretending it crashed, people don't think it was aliens, Tom, so clearly they got away with it. (laughs) (laughs) And they couldn't be bothered to, like, do a very gradual process of abducting individuals from around the world in a short burst. So they were like, fuck it, we'll just get Tom, science doesn't have time to wait. (laughs) We need human subjects and we need them now and we need 227. (laughs) Yeah, specifically that number. Yeah. Right. Okay. Does the internet have any other thoughts on this? Or any more? On aliens. On explanations? or Black hole? It was a mini black hole. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just say mini black hole. You can't just be like, yeah, that. Yeah, so a mini black hole appeared over the Indian Ocean. (laughs) And for some reason, only this plane felt its gravitational pull. Ah, Hence why it did the U-turn. And it got sucked into the black hole. But then it also generated data, like, going massively off course for ages. It was a small black hole (laughs) that abducted it at exactly eight hours in, so it slowly dragged it over. It It was a slow drag of just that plane towards the black hole. Right. Um... I'll be honest, we've covered more in-depth theories on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So you don't think it was aliens or a black hole? I genuinely... Okay, no, I don't genuinely no. think it could have been aliens. But... The thing is, when it's bullshit, an explanation feels nice and rounded and tidy yeah, for the loose ends because you've designed the theory to fit it the does. evidence. And... It does, it really does. Yeah. So I know. But hey, it was it, it was would have been fun. really nice if it was aliens. I mean, would it? Those people Yeah, because those people would still be alive. Uh, it depends if they're good aliens or bad aliens. I think all aliens are good aliens. Yeah, okay. That's how I choose to view the world. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the universe. The universe I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, do you think Shakira and Pitbull had anything to do with it, Tom? <laughs> um... <laughs> When you said those asylum seekers, unless they were like, they'd bought fake passports (laughs) in the hope that people wouldn't recognise them as Shakira and Pitbull, I think there's no reason I would think that. So, there is a suggestion that Pitbull and Shakira's song, Get It Started, displays prior knowledge. It was released in 2012. This happened in 2014. Do you want to hear some of the lyrics? Yeah. I think it's irrefutable. <laughs> now Is that it... the first line of the lyrics? No, no. no. <laughs> lyrics, now it's off to Malaysia. Right. I mean, they weren't, they were going to Beijing, but like Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> That's the place. That's the noun. Relevant. Two passports, three cities, two countries, one day. Yeah, but is that just Pitbull bragging about how his job makes him travel quite a lot? Or is it two stolen passports, three cities, 
<laughs> Fallen at the second hurdle. Three cities that they were in contact with air traffic control, if you include the Cambodian one. <laughs> okay, I guess. Two countries that it was flying between one day that it happened. <laughs> um, I, I don't... I, there's more. Don't draw your conclusion. Oh, okay. There's more. There's more evidence. <laughs> no Ali, no Fraser, but for now, off to Malaysia. So... The press referred to one of the Iranian passengers as Mr. Ali. So no Ali, no Fraser. It was his Fraser. I don't know. But <laughs> also... He was just like, oh, I don't want to watch that show. <laughs> Even though the press referred to one of the Iranian passengers as Mr. Ali... That wasn't his name, so I don't know if this was just racist garbage or what. Yeah, I, I think if it's between racism and Pitbull predicted the Malaysia <laughs> Airlines thing, it's probably racism. racism. <laughs> because his last name was Nor Mohammed Adi. Ah, oh, that's a typo that's got out of hand then. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, I went from eviction to food stamps to bagging work wet and damp to a passport flooded with stamps. And I was thinking, why would you use wet and damp and flooded unless, like, the plane was crashed in the water? <laughs> I think my favourite theories on the internet are where people think clues have been given in order for people <laughs> to brag about big crimes that they're going to do. Yeah. Or, like, that are... Have you noticed that the letters CIA are in this person's name? Yeah. Or that this makes a triangle? Yeah. I love the idea that not only is the Illuminati doing mm. evil shit, but they're also kind of like, they're a bit arrogant and they kind of yeah. want people to know about it. <laughs> it's like everything's a lemony snicket book where they like spell things out and do, use mm. anagrams and stuff. Like no <laughs> evil villain would do that in real life. No. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think that Pitbull had something to do with it. I mean, Pitbull has something to do with something. I he hate is a him. weird looking He's dude. so weird. And yeah. also, I know I said in the intro that this song was a banger, but it's actually not a banger. I don't think it's a good song. <laughs> I don't not like Pitbull. Not only did he do a tragedy, the song doesn't even slap. Yeah, it doesn't. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't. Timber is a good song. Yeah. And Pitbull, I will congratulate you for that. But nothing else in your career has been good. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm I'm not pro pim pitbull. Pimple. Pimple. I don't like pinball either. Yeah. It's not a great game. So what do you think? I think um things like aliens and pitbull are here because they fill a hole where sometimes just strange things happen and it's a bit too complicated or yeah. nuanced for us to really know. Without, God, I'd knowing. love to know the answer. I'd love, yeah, I'd love to know, but I think like maybe the pilot diverted and then a hypoxia thing happened. Like maybe it's, but like, I don't know. I just don't it's, know. It's probably like a minor combination of a few things, and yeah. I bet the explanation for what actually happened is really fucking boring. Um, not boring if you know you had family on the flight, but as in it's probably a bit technical and a bit not quite wrap upable. Maybe. I don't know. That's what makes it a good mystery, I guess. I still think it was glamorous and mysterious. I'll give you mysterious. <laughs> but glamorous I'm not with you. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm being too into people disappearing. I don't know. I mean, you do you are into like missing people podcasts and that kind of thing, so. Yeah. But we we recognize that it's a bit morbid. 
And, yeah. you know, we try to be tasteful as much as possible. Yeah. Unlike Pitbull. Yeah. Who never tries to be tasteful. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cat's Cabinet of Curiosities. If you enjoyed the podcast and you're now a little bit nervous about getting on a plane, then subscribe and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Cat's Cabinet underscore pod or Facebook at Cat's Cabinet. Thanks for listening.